You ever been you've been hit so hard by electricity that you and there was no one around and you thought, "Am I dead?" And I got I got hit by two twenty one time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll do it to you. <laughs> do you want to do my podcast? Rub some dirt on it. Just rub some dirt on it. I love this podcast. Rub some dirt on it. My new super awesome podcast. I don't know what Brainiac came up with the whole dirt thing anyway. Hey, uh, we're talking about privilege today, man. This this is going to be... What did you say in your text? Like, this is what we were trying to do. Yeah, this, like is, this, like, this is, this is it, I believe this is going to be super indicative of why I wanted to start this. Yeah, this is the Big Boy Pants podcast episode. Because, and I, I'm going to tease a few things here, because I listened to um, your interview with Aaron for probably like the third or fourth time today, this morning, while I was changing out lights, which is, and, um, I learned so much and there's also like a part of it's like, man, I think I don't agree with these guys in this one part. And I also changed some things about how I thought. And that's really why we're doing this. But did you, did you get this? Did, yeah. Did you get the sense that like he has just thought about it more than we have? Uh, or maybe an, not. That's an instru- that's an he's younger question. than he's younger than both you and I. But that doesn't mean anything. Um, well, I, I think it, it does and it doesn't. By younger, let's let's throw some quantifiable numbers out out there, because you're a younger dude than me. Like, how old are you? Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. I'm in. I'm forty-four right now. How old's Aaron? Uh, I think he's. Uh, if I had to guess, like thirty-five. Is he thirty-four? Thirty-five. And he's in a position where, um, if he's not thinking about it, boy, is it a problem. So. Oh yeah. And even thinking about it more or less, I don't know. But, you know, there's a couple times that, <clears throat> excuse me, you mentioned you're just at a different level than me in thinking about this. And I think that makes sense. He's, he's definitely at a different level than I am. You know yeah, let me, let me find a, uh, let me find a clip of, of Aaron talking about this. Uh, here, or right I, at the- while you're finding the clip, though, there's a couple yeah. of things I wanted to ask you about something, and then I, I, in the name of transparency, I wanted to say something about myself and how I'm kind of framing this. Have okay. You, have you seen Bird Box on Netflix yet? <laughs> no, and I'm hearing terrible things about it. By terrible, what do you mean? Like Oh, like, like it's just a, a tired, rehashed plot, and Netflix will fund anything right now. See, that's that's not what I've heard about it. Okay, um, but um, I, I enjoyed it. It terrified my wife. Um, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying I'm, I enjoyed it. But there was an article I read today on the Root that's about how this isn't a horror movie or a suspense movie. It's a movie about um, white privilege. And the lesson it tries to teach is the only way that white people can protect themselves from racism is to ignore it and act like it doesn't exist and find a safe space wow. where they don't have to confront it. And it is a really funny article. Oh, it's funny. Like, it, it's, I mean, oh, that's, it sounds like that is not the intent of the movie. Not the intent of the movie, but it's, it's, it's one of those articles that's funny while it's twisting the knife. Um, okay. Here's the other thing that I wanted to say about myself before I got started. Um, in this conversation today, there is so much. Like, there's things that I think that I'm still just not going to say out loud. Oh. In, fact, in fact, I'm not even going to say them out loud. I'm not even going to say why I won't say them out loud. Because it's so layered and none of it has to do with... Um, any really prejudices on my part. It's just like, I don't think I'm in a position where I can acknowledge that yet. Although I, out loud, but I do want to make an acknowledgement and I haven't said this to anyone other than my wife. And this is really, I had this on my mind when I, when <laughs> so I threw out there. I love that you're going from like, I said it to my wife in confidence and the next step will be, I'll say it on the podcast. <laughs> no, it wasn't one of those things said, said in confidence oh, okay. to my wife. Right. It was just one of those things. It, me saying this out loud to my wife made me think, 
Johnny and I need to talk about privilege. Okay. Um, when, before Ezra was born, um, I don't even know how far along we were in the process. <clears throat> but Ellie asked me, if you could pick, what would you rather have, a boy or a girl? Yeah. And I, like, without hesitation said, boy. And she said, why? And none of it had to do with, I want somebody to carry on a family name or I've always wanted a son or blah, blah. It was that. It was, um, it's so much easier. It's going to be easier. It's, it said. For, um, for him, not yes. easy. Or, yes, or was easier. it easier? It's going to be easier to, like, raise a boy. No, easier for him. I said he's a he'll be a white male in America. He's basically winning the lottery. He's going to be fine. Yeah, and it, it's like and it's and it's not even that he's going to be fine. It's that it's there's just way less obstacles to being fine. You know, it's increasing odds for success. That's totally the only way I was looking at, sure. it, at it. And then I, I'm like, I said that out loud, and I was like, well, I'm like. That's that's a privileged conversation, isn't it? It is for sure, because I think even if or if you said like uh, Heather and I have talked about like what happens if one of our boys like comes out to us, and I say I hope it doesn't happen, not because I don't want them to be able to become whoever they are, but because like I know that that means that life is more difficult for you. After, you know, does that make sense? Like, I hope it does. I only movie. hope you're straight because I know that it's just easier to be straight in this world than it is to be gay, bi, or or trans, or whatever. Like, it's just it's just easier uh, if you don't have to have that conversation. And the same, you know, uh, I, I think it's just a little easier if you're a boy. What did you think? Um, uh, we can get we'll get into Aaron's interview in a minute, I think. But one of yeah. the things that I brought up there, and I wanted to, his, my discussion with him had a lot to do with with uh, with race. Well, race, and you guys also got into gender quite a bit too. I, I think that you probably entered into. I'm, I'm inserting myself into your own thought process, but my guess is that you. You know, interviewed Aaron because you thought this could be a really compelling conversation about privilege and race, and you guys ended up not shying away from gender at all, which I really liked. He, uh, yeah, he had him and I had had some brief conversations in the context of of race, and I did think of him first because of that. I also appreciate that you assume that there's any kind of thought process going into anything that I'm doing but that's I'll, <laughs> I'll take that but I, I think at one point uh, I just I, I think I've lost that train you, I, de right. I derailed myself um, I might have derailed you it's fine um, but our uh, my my talk with him I sort of started off saying like how do you elevator pitch this that's that's probably yeah. a, the not the correct phrase to use but you got 30 seconds, um, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to someone? It's like, wait, wait I, I've never heard of this. Or, you know, introduce this idea to me really quickly. Do you have a, a, a go-to for that? Or like an easy analogy or an easy way in to kind of explain it? Do I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, I, I suppose maybe... Man, I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't have an easy end. Because um, so much of this, it, I, I'm going to push you on this a little bit because I feel like so much of my conversation with Aaron was, is this, should you have this conversation? Is this a conversation worth having? Do you start this conversation? How do you have this conversation? Well, okay. And if, uh, and if we don't have an entry point, here, let me, let me. Here's my, here's my entry point. I've got, I've got two entry points, actually, okay. now that I think about it. Um. Something that you guys kept coming back to was is, is engaging in this conversation or getting somebody to engage in this conversation, is that a win in and of itself? And Hold I struggle on, you're jumping. Let, let me. Oh, oh sure. Let, uh, I, I struggle with that, but here's the other one too. And this one might be earlier that helps you out. Early in the conversation, and this is actually an analogy that I think you swiped from him and used in our last podcast. It's like, 
a fish isn't aware of the water. Yeah. Here, let and me let me ahead. let me find it. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to play this clip. I'd say the last couple of years have really shined a spotlight on it for sure. And my my understanding of, you know, basically, basically even being able to uh, recognize the privilege that I have, you know, the things that uh, it's like the fish in water can't recognize you're in water because you're just so used to your environment. Um, those things didn't become obvious to me until really I think I started seeing it both in my personal life with how my wife and my kids are treated. Um, and then obviously in the political and social um, uh, environment of the last two years, it's uh, it's been pretty sobering. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that works. It's not like I'm a great audio engineer, but. Uh... No, that will totally work. So when he said that, what did you think? Oh, I thought of the fish in water thing. Uh, it, it, to some degree, it's unfortunate that he phrased it like that because of the. Uh, uh, but I, I know what he meant. He, I think he was referencing that David Foster Wallace uh, speech, where the fish, there's like a young fish, it swims up to an old fish, and the old fish says, "Hey guys, how's the water?" And the young fish says, "What's water?" Yeah. Um, and I, uh, it is, and kind of the one of the, the points that he's. David Foster Wallace is trying to make in that speech, and I think Aaron was trying to make, is that it's so around you and no one discusses it, no one asks you about it, no one has a conversation about it, and you are allowed to ignore it. And uh, because you're allowed to ignore it, you're not aware of it in, in any way. So for him, it meant like he marries this biracial woman and then has biracial kids and now he's like oh i am forced right like he was sort of forced into an awareness of it and okay and and that's where i'm like wow <laughs> because um i i want to talk about this and then you also had an interesting story about when you kind of had an awareness of privilege but what brought Aaron about was falling in love, committing to a, I'm guessing he's in love, committing to a lifelong relationship and having children with that person. And then he was like, well, gosh, it's not all the same water. Yeah. Let me pull, let me play it. it. This was at the end of the conversation because, and then I'm sorry, cause I feel like I interrupted this a bunch. No, <laughs> but it, that's how I talk. Uh, so, yeah, uh, let me play this. And then, no question, you know, my, my partner in life, you know, being multiracial and me having multiracial kids, you know, has made this forever for me, uh, you know, something that will be my mission because it has to be. You know, I mean, there's just really oh, yeah. no other option. Damn. And the heaviness of it, I think, you know, kind of comes through the experience of it. I think that, you know, mentally and emotionally, I was like, yeah, 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 no, like, I support it, I absolutely love you, you know, I support it, but it wasn't until really seeing some of the uglier sides of our society in the last couple of years and seeing, you know, how that's affected my family directly that I'm like, oh, it's, it just carries a different weight, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, for sure. I don't, talk, I, I don't have things in my life that, that feel this urgent to me in the way that this does to him uh, or I, I would, or I can't think of any of, of much of anything. I would say, I would think that I do. And I would think that I actually don't know because oh, I'm not, I am not in that circumstance. And you think about and once you have a child, there's just a different level of awareness and urgency on everything. And this is just an additional context, another layer to it that is woven into his everyday life and the challenges that his sons will face forever. And so, yeah. it's like, you know what I mean? But he's like, I felt like in talking to him, he was like, I have to figure this out. Oh yeah, and and I kept, I kept coming back to like I did not, I don't want to or I won't or I can't, 
But I kept thinking just like the sense of urgency and uh, the desire on his part was so much bigger than mine. And he frankly just seemed light years ahead of me in terms of uh, his commitment to figuring this out and his recognition, I think, of how important it is. Well, and, and where I think I have, where I would guess my urgency is in the same ballpark is just in being a father and raising a son. And that's really why I wanted to do this whole thing. Yeah. But again, there's this layer that because, because, because our children won the lottery, Johnny. I know. It's not as much on our radar. And... Gosh, there's another thing I want to say, but I want to talk about this first. Um, you also, and you don't have to splice in your own conversation on this part, but you talk about in your interview with him when you became aware, and it's when you realized there was a there was a position that was no longer attainable to you. Yeah, well, I and I don't know, I don't know if this is the best example of it because I think I. Well, let's give a bad I, I, example then. I, I was allowed to slowly become aware, but I think for me, uh, I was very aware from a very young age that I could become president if I wanted to of, of the country, <laughs> right? I could, I could aspire to that and I could do that. And then I sort of realized, and this is just part of my, my character, is that I, I am not good at... Um, I don't, I don't enjoy, and I kind of freak out, have like a stage fright thing, and I freak out, and I've tried to overcome it in a couple of different ways, but I, I just realized like there were character qualities that that person had that I didn't have, and that was the, that was the no for me. And I think uh, it happened late, and there's, the, the reason that that has to do with privilege for me is because I think for so many years, there was this assumption, like, oh, that guy looks like me, I can, I can aspire to that. And I don't think that I would have had that necessarily if I was uh, a woman, or if I had been born uh, a different race, or, you know, and so on and so forth. The, the challenges of attaining that position would have come to you the realization of the challenges of attaining that position would have come to you in a completely different set of circumstances. Had sure. you been born not who you presently are. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. Um, but it has yeah. to... Let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. I, one of the things that I came out there with is I said, uh, I, I want to sit on this for a minute of how hard it is to have this conversation and how hard it is to talk about it. Not like we're going to get to the end of this <laughs> end yeah. of this conversation today, but it's like the starting point for this conversation seems to be the difficult part. And then once you're in it, you can start to take it apart. And I said, um, uh, I think one of the reasons it's hard to get into a conversation about privilege is you look around at your life as a white straight male, uh, cisgendered male in America and you look around at your life and you go, well, I'm not uh, the Rockefellers or the Vanderbilts or whatever. Why? This is hard for me. I Obviously, I didn't have privilege because I'm struggling here. And I think... Yes. I think there's a, like... Um, I think there's a sense that if I acknowledge my privilege, then I also have to acknowledge that I've squandered it. And I think that that's really problematic, but it's it's a, uh, a stumbling block right at the entrance to the conversation. I am so glad you brought this up because, and gosh, I don't remember when it is. I wish I could give you time on it, but you know, you and Aaron had a good conversation. I think it's probably when you guys were talking about your history um, and you know, how you knew each other and him talking about, you know, here's what my parents did for a living. And we weren't like one percenters. No. Yeah. And, and they, they weren't. So we, yeah, you can have, you can be in that role. You can be lower mid-class, whatever mid-class struggling paycheck to paycheck and still be in possession of that privilege. And I think it's a hard pill for people to swallow. And you know, one of the things I was trying to look for, you know, context in my own upbringing, um, 
you know, my both my mother and my father, but probably especially my father, really, really stressed. You're not going to get anything unless you earn it, and you're probably going to only only earn it through hard work. Like talent and intelligence never entered in, into the conversation. It was like this is just hard work. That that's all it's going to be. That sure, sure, and. I think that's a very Midwestern. Oh, for sure, Midwestern super, thing. I think the thing Midwestern. on the coast, it seems to be a little more like, hey, you can work hard, but they'll just like try really hard to have a good idea. Get <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> uh, but you know, and I and I think that's, I think that's a really good thing to have. But then there's also that that dangerous perspective that you develop from it's like i earned everything i have through hard right. work right like if you start to believe to if you start to believe that status is in accordance with effort then you look at like bill gates and you're like he worked hard to get there uh like you, you know or, or um he may be a bad example just because like i don't know uh um, i don't I know his... some examples sure <laughs> this is a pet peeve i have because you know, I do a fair amount of public speaking and keynotes address, addresses and that kind of stuff. And I go to a lot of conferences and I see a whole lot of people and they love to get Super Bowl champions and, um, you know, Olympic gold medalists. Um, sure. Oh, as the keynote speaker. As let's the get, keynote speakers yeah. at these things. And um, gosh, why is his name escaping me now? Uh, Iron Man that played for uh, the Baltimore Orioles. Can, oh, uh, Cal Ripken Jr. Cal Ripken Jr. I saw him speak once, and he wrote a book about how he managed to do it. And I think it was the guy that ghost ghost written the book with him, like approached him about this. And he's like, "How did you make this happen?" And oh, it like, worked oh. hard. It had nothing to do with no, my he dad. Didn't, he, he didn't say that he worked hard. He said, "I just showed up, and it kind of happened." And but then I mean, good good with, for him for saying yeah, because what his dad these, played baseball. Yeah, but then he came up with these eight things. But he, like fine. I'm That's gonna, fine. Here's some more stuff, though. I, I just saw a keynote recently that's an artist that had developed this disability in his hand and wasn't able to create art the way that he was. And it, it was really a pretty compelling story, but he also was still in, he, incredibly talented and had genius level creativity. And so he just went through other things. And, you know, what I, I came away from that keynote was if you have immense talent and genius creativity you can overcome almost any obstacle and like I don't but I also I don't even know if that's necessarily true no that's not necessarily true oh okay all right I was but, and then there's you know when I see Olympic gold medalists they always just talk about um, you know if you just work hard you can achieve anything it's like no if you can work really hard and have all the rest of the right circumstances with you around you and you have been gifted with incredible genetics and then you're in the running i i mean let me say this i i uh i mean you know this i'm a writer and i'm trying to i i've been sending had had been uh sending this novel out and at some point you send it out enough times that you get like a, enough replies i think i saw a number for a small press that they receive 12,000 <laughs> yes <laughs> manuscripts a year and at that point you realize oh it's not it's not about how good I am it's not about what I, it's about like did I happen to email on the Tuesday that the coffee machine broke and everybody in the office was upset and no one read my manuscript that day and they're just you know the however many manuscripts they got that day all got rejected or they read me right after they read oh I, you know there, there's so many it's just it's a lottery and that was like a hard thing for me and, and it was a specific confrontation with that idea that I had that you uh, grew up with that uh, effort and quality of effort is the sole deciding factor in success and that's not that's just not true it's just not true it's not and the other facet of that getting back to this conversation and privilege is that acknowledgement of hey the odds in your lottery are different than the odds in someone else's lottery is yeah that what we're saying 
Yeah, we are. Uh, so you can have all those other things, hard work and talent, blah, blah, blah. And here's also this luck of the draw thing. And you better acknowledge what your luck of the draw is. But that's a hard conversation for people to have, and it's a hard thing to acknowledge. Uh, it is It is really hard. Do you think... I think there's an obvious ability for uh, white folks, at least in the... I'm just thinking about privilege in the context of, of race, at least for now. We could... We could ignore it. We could ignore it. Like Sandra Bullock in the bird box. Oh, I haven't ignored. I haven't seen it, so she she just ignores it. Um, oh man, if yeah, yeah, if it's, it's I'm not gonna watch she ignores it. it. You can you could well maybe don't spoil it. I don't know. Anyway, I'll link it to the article. We could ignore it. Why? Why shouldn't we? Or should we? Or can we? Okay, um, this gets back to something else that Aaron said that I thought was really important. Um, yeah, on the one hand, it's how you perceive yourself and what your potential opportunities are and whether or not you see your likeness in these other people that you aspire to be like. Another is there is a, a society perception that is very hard to pin down, but I think it's still very real, that, that if given the same person in the same situation but one is black and one is white the way that the black person was acting would be would be viewed differently right externally right right? and so that that is the much harder conversation i think to have with people because if the moment you say that they go defensive i'm not a racist because they know exactly what would happen if they get labeled racist so so much of I think in an earlier episode, or maybe in just in you and I talking about these things, they, I, the the quality that I have come to value in people more than anything is self awareness, and this is even different than that. It's it's an awareness of other people's perception of you in any different different circumstance, uh, an awareness of your own prejudices and how you perceive things. Right. And yeah, it, and it's. <sighs> I keep on going back to the water, man. <laughs> the, the, the water, the fish the in the water. water. And, and, yeah. Are you aware of this water all around are you, you? Are you aware of this water all around you? Are you aware of how other people are swimming in this? Are you aware of what this water looks like when you swim over here as compared to what this water is? That's right. And, and Have you heard this speech, by the way? I have not. He talks about like, I mean, just to kind of expand on that, he talks about like, hey, you're in traffic, you're stuck in traffic. Well, everyone else is stuck in traffic and it's terrible for everyone. And then you're in line at the grocery store and there's too many people in line. Well, no one else wants to be in line either. And you know, this lady next to you, you don't know her story. She's got, you know, maybe she's trying to hurry home and she's late and the babysitter's racking up a bill and she's just like, ah, you know, you don't know all this stuff around you. And then once you start to pay attention, you can start to see these things. Uh, you can start to see like, oh, hey, this woman's in the store with her with her sick kid. She probably doesn't, she's probably not excited about that situation. Or like, you'll see, I see a lot of like, uh, uh, young couples in the store doing the, um, like checking the prices on on cheeses to see like oh this cheese is like 20 cents per ounce yeah this cheese is like 28 cents per ounce and it's it's an awareness of the water you know what i mean or just look at look in the car next to you at the stoplight and you see the guys just like (laughs) furious or whatever or whatever state he's in and we're almost trained to not Oh, for sure we're trained to not. And that's why, I mean, a question you guys kept asking, which I think is important and where um, I, I think it is, but it's not enough, is is people acknowledging it and asking about it and talking about that? Is that a victory in and of itself? And I don't know that I'm ready to call it a victory, but I'm definitely going to call it essential. And so when I think about my own son, it's like, are you thinking about this? 
Are you thinking about why you see this this way? Are you thinking about the water you're in? Are you thinking about the water they're in? Are you thinking about, even though you're in the same water, it's not the same water for both of you? And, you know, that, again, that conversation, him thinking about that, and especially the context of you're a guy and you're my son, so you're a white guy, you need to be thinking about that. It's not a win, but it's essential. Oh, Does that hold mean? on. Hold on a sec. Are you okay? Yeah. What was that? Hold on. No, not you. I need to work on it. Oh, I don't know where it is. Good luck. Lost it. Well, I don't know where it is. Hold on. We're going to pause to hold that thought. Hold no that. problem. That's what we do, man. Sorry about that. Yeah, dude. I hope none of that gets cut out. I mean, you you have editorial control over the actual um, tracks, but I hope that's all still in there. No, it's not. I can't. I can't leave it all in there because I walked away from the microphone, so my side will go completely silent. That's all right. <laughs> what? what? This isn't a, a chance. To this reflect. is a serious podcast. This is not a, some kind of auditory experiment here. This is. Johnny, really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. This is not a brains kind of outfit. Yeah, that's, that, that's definitely true. Hey, I, I, I definitely, <laughs> no offense. Uh, I, I hear you when I think about it in the context of, hey, this uh, thinking about privilege and understanding privilege is one aspect of being aware of who you are and being aware of the rest of the world and your relationship to it and its relationship with you, uh, then it makes total sense to me. And absolutely, you should understand this. Right? Yeah, for sure. What is it yeah. that is so... I, what is it that is so threatening about this conversation for oh, people? I, I think what is... I think what's threatening about it is... If you are coming from a position of privilege, which you and I are, our sons are and will be, and you acknowledge this, it feels like undermining every asset that you have, every authentic asset that you have, like all of the non-lottery assets is what I guess I'm saying. That's like, you know... How... how, I mean, I'll go with you there. I I guess... I don't agree with that, the, but the, I can see why it feels that way. Like so, if we have, if we have, uh, like let's say a, that Ezra is applying to a college and he's applying for these scholarships, and there's things that he gets and he's super stoked about, it, and it's like it's because I wrote that essay, it's because all of the volunteer work and extracurriculars and grade point average and all of that stuff and. Then there's also, yeah, but you know what? If you weren't in this position of privilege, you know what? You might not have had time to get all those volunteer hours in because your paycheck for bagging groceries would have helped us not get kicked out of our house. That's right. And so I Let's I think, say that there's, yeah, let's say that there's a criminal justice system that disproportionately arrests and incarcerates African-Americans, which there is, and it does. And then let's say that, like, family members who would be providing financially are in jail. And now the shift of the family focuses to, like, let's make sure there's food. And now we're thinking about surviving in poverty versus being okay comfortable in the middle class Mm -hmm. and now you can't go to extracurriculars because you're you got to bag groceries and now your essay is not as good because you were bagging groceries when you could have been having these educational experiences it i I think that's why it's hard why it's so difficult because it it does it, it feels and again i don't agree with this but that conversation feels like it undermines the things that you've accomplished that you've worked hard towards it's like no but i did that and also on top of that regardless of privilege everybody has challenges like ezra's going to have challenges and someday maybe he's going to write an essay well you know part of the problem is is my dad was really old when he had me 
So he got sick way before my mom. And so he became senile and I had to deal with all this. And <laughs> to deal with dad's dementia yeah, exactly. onset, onset at 44. Exactly. So <laughs> when he'll have challenges, sure. and when you when you acknowledge that privilege, it feels like it diminishes your assets and it diminishes the value of the challenges that you had. And it shouldn't. But I think it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, it does. And it may be even the, the value of having those things. And oh, so that's I, why I think it makes it complicated. I think this is so hard for me because I just don't understand that mindset. I don't understand like how it threatens you or how it hurts you to like look at someone and be like, you got dealt a bad hand, dude. You got dealt a bad hand, and, you know, and I, I don't know. So I keep I keep trying to find ways to, like, understand and explain this, like, um, oh, uh, here, let, let me, uh, Aaron and I were talking about the, the Me Too movement and backlash yeah. narratives. Yeah, uh, I remember that. And, uh, yeah, and this kind of gets to, like, just how far people will go to to kind of like back up whatever they think. Uh, anyway, so let, let me play this. When did we become so base as a society that we're not willing to stop for a minute and listen to somebody who is, who is making a very serious statement and who has clearly been affected significantly by this? Why, why is, where is this, this tendency to jump to a fake, let's call it for what it is, a fake conspiracy theory first, and then listen to the victim second. Where, where does that come from? We were specifically, I think, talking about Me Too uh, and Brett Kavanaugh and mm -hmm. and um, this, to me, it was like totally plausible. <laughs> that whole conversation was, it was totally plausible as like he did this thing and he forgot about it and because it wasn't significant to him but it was like no uh this woman that they found is like a left-wing operative she's being paid by george soros who's this like conspirator against the american government and it was like what would i just do i want to believe that Chips Ahoy are delicious and that's why they're addicting or are they addicting because there's a government conspiracy to put small doses of crack cocaine in the cookies and that's like why I keep coming back and I have to buy them every time I walk. Like, why would you believe the crazy thing? Why would you believe, why would you believe the crazy thing? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't know why people would believe the crazy thing. But... I, I, I think where I can kind of link those two things together is um, when it's you and it's your accomplishments, your assets, your challenges, that's what you believe about yourself. And then when you throw in this, and I totally get where you're coming from. It's like what somebody else's challenges are or their lack of privilege, and I don't even know if that's the right word anymore, that they don't have as compared to you it it shouldn't lessen the value of your own experiences right but for some reason uh it just people like that when it's about them it changes I, I think it goes back to that idea of this zero-sum game. You remember when we were oh, talking about yes, right? Yes, like, I'm so glad you brought that up. I can't, if I acknowledge that I have, you know, if I give something up and you gain, I lose. Like, if you gain, I lose. If I gain, you lose. That's the only way it works. And that, that I think, is such an unhealthy way of thinking about it. It... it, it uh, it goes into many aspects of uh, political thinking even and, and other ways of thinking about how we are and where we are in the world, right? Yeah, I'm not ready to talk about it because I need to think about it more, but there's a lot of overlap between this possession or lack of privilege and competition. Yeah. For sure. Oh, that's right. It was in the context of competition. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I've got a... Uh, question for you oh, no. anytime <laughs> hey, hold on 
when you do this at 40 minutes into the podcast, it's always a question that I'm like, I, I should sit down because I can't ever handle it. <laughs> I'm prepared to not be able to handle this. I'm you've ready. Handled it, you've handled it every time. Ugh. Every okay. time. Like a champ. You know what uh, this, this podcast feels like? And I mean this in a good way. It's just like grinding, yes. grinding gears. Johnny, I did not want to do this because it was easy. <laughs> you know, and this, I mean, this episode, and I mean this, this whole podcast thing. And that's like when I texted you today and it's like, this feels like what I want this podcast to be, this episode specifically, before we ever even started to record it, this is why, because it's grind. It's a grind. And I mean, I know, I know there's going to be times when Ezra will probably get opportunities because of his privilege, or maybe he won't have an opportunity because of who he is, um, or somebody else will get a leg up and I'll be like, yeah, but my son did, did these things. I already know that's in me. Oh, yeah. Because it'll be so personal. Yes. Um, but I'll try to see the water anyway. But anyway, there was, you were talking about um, rocking that pink hoodie. Yeah. And the phrase that you used, and then Aaron said, I agree with you 100% was, dad's got your back. Sure. Okay, well, let's give, yeah, let's put some context behind it. Did, did, did I talk about this on the podcast previously? Um, the, the pink hoodie? I think maybe you mentioned it a little bit. Let me give bit, the, the five-second. Yeah. Elliot was rocking, like, purple and pink socks. Some kid in his class, I won't, I won't get into it. Some kid in his class was like, that's a girl color. That's colors for girls. And so I just went, I went all in, and I bought this. And I am not a, I am a black t-shirt, black hoodie, black jeans. <laughs> like, let's just do this. So I'm not, a, I'm not a bright colors kind of a guy. Uh, and I bought this hot pink, like neon pink hoodie and wore it to school because I wanted him to know like, hey, this is, it's cool that you can wear pink because I'm rocking pink. I got your back, yeah. you know? And I kind of wanted to start a fight with a kindergartner, I'll admit it. <laughs> that was part of it. But, you know, Aaron talks about how, you know, he says, you know, 100% that he agrees with you. And that's what he wants his sons know to know. It's like, dad has got your back. In these circumstances where, and this is where I think it's different for Aaron and for you and I, is when Aaron's talking about, boys, <laughs> I've got your back. It's because he knows about the water they're swimming in. And he knows about what those perceptions of his son's behavior is going to be as opposed to the perceptions of our son's behavior in uh, even the exact circumstance. Okay. I have a problem with the way that you're phrasing this, but okay, can you keep going, keep going. I just wanted to note like that, that kind of line in the well, conversation. Well, here's the deal, it's like where, when you're saying, hey, I'm, I got your back, I got your back, son, I'm rocking the pink too. I think that's noble. I think that's good. I think I, Johnny, that's being a good dad. All right. And, and when Aaron talks about with his sons, it's like, you know what? Somebody calls you on this stuff and you're doing the right thing. I've got your back. Like it's the same thing, but there are, a, and this might be where I mend the fence on, how I'm phrasing this for you. There's been time I'm, I'm thinking about in the future and my son. Let's use, he's let's been, use your he's college been. application thing. Let's say, let's say you let me know if I'm going off the rails a little bit. No, here, this is, no I think what you're talking about a college application already, I think it's different. I think there, there's okay. times where I'm like, son, if you don't acknowledge your own privilege, I do not have your back. Oh, and I think, yeah, so, so here's the deal. I think it has to do with, if you view it as a, a competition, it, and that's why I was like, are you going mm -hmm. with this college? Like, if you think of it as like, okay, my son didn't get into college, and maybe his classmate 
you know, everything looks the same on paper except it's an uh, uh, African-American student. If that kid gets in, then, you know, I, I'm, that's not cool with me or what. Like, if you start to think about it in the context of competition, which is this is, again, going back to I think there's a lot of ways about competition that's just sort of influenced our, our thinking and our ability to see ourselves as members of a larger group of the human race. Um, then I'm like, I have your back versus I don't and I don't have that other kid's back. That becomes kind of problematic to me. Yeah. So like if I if I wear the pink hoodie to school to get in a fight with that other kid, like that's not cool. I don't, I don't want to be doing that. But if it's like I have your back in trying to uh, understand how we are parts of this larger sort of organism of humanity and understanding our place in it and how your place is similar to my place or dissimilar or what other people's you know, relative positions are and how we can understand and see each other, then I have your back. Uh, but I don't, I sort of don't see, uh, it is very obvious to me how understanding privilege is Aaron having his kids back. It's, yes. It's, it is also, uh, obvious although not as immediately obvious how it is having my kids back yeah yeah i can yeah i agree i i, I think it's I, I i think it gets back to earlier in this conversation where we talked about there is an imperative on understanding this that is in aaron's life that is just absent from ours and that context of having well the imperative isn't as as obvious yes okay. yeah it's it's yes for sure and you know, and, and you know, a glimpse into Sam Stecker's window and how he looks at privilege is, I'm a superintendent of a school district, and I don't want to say it's like a super exclusive position, but there's a lot more teachers than there are superintendents. And I go to the national conference every year, and at the national conference, a lot of you, dudes. It's a lot of white middle-aged dudes, and yeah. and there's it's like. I think two things. It's like, um, all right, this is definitely. I've I've went to a lot of school, and I, I, I'm I'm pretty proud of my resume, and I've worked really hard, and I think I do a lot of things that a lot of other leaders in my position don't do that separates me from the pack, sure. and I think I've earned what I've got. And then I also go, and I'm a white guy. <laughs> well, but you, yeah, it, 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 if you just say that. It's like, well, if I acknowledge my privilege, it's like I'm saying that those things didn't matter. But I yeah, think if you, if once you get a wider view of privilege, you say like, well, maybe I could do those things because uh, I had access to things because I'm a white guy or like, because I sure. didn't have to worry about, you know. Um, and then here's another layer of that privilege on that tiny little example there of me going to the national conference. I also sometimes think um, maybe a lot of the other more diverse school leaders can't make it there because it's not in their school budget or because their needs are so dire they can't afford to be away. Absolutely. And so then it's like attaining the position and then after attaining the position, executing the position in a way that allows you to get to your peers um, and learn more. So like if it's in getting back to raising my own son, it's like, I want him to be able to look at that and go, you worked hard and you're smart. And these things happen for you because of that. And you also need to know not everybody has the same path. Right. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. I forget what it was. There was something that was going on at school this holiday season and uh, oh my gosh, it had to do with uh, with Santa Claus. And well, oh okay, I got it. This that's how long it takes for me to have an idea and articulate it, and then remember <laughs> what it was. So uh, they uh, they sent uh, a note home from school, and they said it, it's just they do this newsletter, and people put all kinds of crazy things in there. So it's not like this was a school policy, but they said, hey, just a suggestion. If you get your kids a 
something very expensive. Don't say um, it's from Santa. Don't say it's from Santa. So, yeah, you've heard this. They were like, yeah. don't say it's from Santa because then kids from lower income households will be like, well, Santa doesn't love me, you know, or like, mm-hmm. I screwed up all year. I'm a bad kid because Santa didn't bring me a Nintendo Switch. He brought me a, you know, bag of chocolates. A, a, a bag of chocolate. A bag of bad chocolate. Um, and, and I think. It's like it's like little things like that. Like if you're operating with an awareness of your privilege, you're just going to be aware of stuff like that. Or like we had a teacher, and I ended up like sending her a very nice note because I'm sure teachers receive more than their fair share of like critiques. But they did a whole project on like what's your house like, what's your house, how big is your house, how many rooms, you know. And it was a simple like kindergartner project, and I was kind of like, hey, that you just the neighborhood of where the school is like you're gonna have kids a mile to the north who are gonna say i live next to a park in a six bedroom three thousand square you know and you're almost asking your students to put their wealth on display and i i worded it very nicely but i was like hey like we loved this project but like maybe maybe think about not doing it next year um and I get that curriculum development's hard. Like there was a, it was nice is what I'm trying to say. But I think like when you have an awareness of some aspects of your privilege, you start to participate in the community a little better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, whenever we kind of get to the end of this, I'm always like, all right. So Johnny, what does this mean? What are we going to tell our kids? And to me, that's, I, again, this is why I like doing this. I didn't have that phrase in my head. <clears throat> when you are aware it can direct your participation and maybe maybe hopefully direct your advocacy Uh, let me ask you are you gonna are you gonna speaking of advocacy are you gonna get in some facebook fights uh, you know when we started off and i said there's a lot of things that i'm thinking that i'm just not prepared to say and i'm also not even prepared to say why i not gonna say them Nobody self-censors like I do, man. <laughs> I, I just, there are elements where, because of my position, I cannot be as forward as what I want to be. Oh, yeah. And so it's, my rule on Facebook is... Um, just shine, put, just shiny, happy things? Is... Yeah. It, yeah, it's just, it's mostly it's pictures of me and Ezra and Ellie and then putting as much positive stuff as I can out through my other business and that's that's it I think that's Um, fine I think you could say that you could say like look I have to be careful uh I you know I don't it's your family you need to protect your income I think that's fine uh would you would you call it out if it was you and someone you know i mean do you feel like compelled to where's the oh yeah i mean it's it's another thing and this was like early in your conversation with aaron when he talked about how there are people who will confide in him um outright racist stuff because they think he's a safe space because this is another white guy yeah and i thought that was really interesting um and yeah, I, I've had those circumstances and I've had to say, hey, just so you know this, it's not what I believe and that's not the way that it is. I mean, you know what? Like I, I have had those conversations and I, I failed. I, really? I, I, what I'm, do you mean you failed? I'm thinking of one specifically. It was my boss's husband and he comes out and just starts saying like, super racist and super homophobic stuff and i was like i i uh oh man i uh you know and just kind of like not agreeing with him but just kind of letting him say this stuff and then being like oh my god i can't i just having those gears turning in my head being like okay so like i'm gonna be like hey you're a, you're a racist bag of crap. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and then he goes to his wife. And I had had this job for a week at this point. 
And he goes to his wife and he's like, uh, Johnny is a piece of garbage. He called me racist. And you know me, I'm not racist. And like, what if he, you know, and then she's like, all right, you'll be peeling potatoes for the next five years. Uh, and I didn't say anything. And I, I think about that conversation a lot as like a, I'm not sure, you know, did I do the right thing? Should, should I like, was I, was I playing too hypothetical in my head? I don't know. And I'm sure there's more instances than that. When this I, is, I'm, I'm going to say this, there is a zero critique of you in this statement, man, there's so much I'm not saying right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so okay if circumstances change this might be a whole different podcast <laughs> after the after the fourth after the fourth jack and coke <laughs> let, let me tell you about this one time i do feel like it's very difficult when there's people in a position of power oh. over you okay absolutely and here's another element of this Holy cow, isn't that an example of our privilege? Oh, absolutely. We have the luxury of just staying quiet. I can, well, <laughs> and, and it doesn't necessarily have to eat us up. Like, I, I, had, I had a boss who would say horrible racist stuff, and there would be, like, employees of color in the room. And I would kind of look at them, and they would look at me, and we're all not saying anything, you know? And like, they have to, they have to work there. They yeah. have to work there and like know that their boss feels that, that way about them. Uh, like, gosh, that's just gotta eat them up. Whereas I can just come back to work and be like, ah, we're cool. I'm not the target. I'm not the target, yeah. I know that my work is being judged on its own merits or even better, <laughs> my work is being judged as like, uh, beyond it, beyond its merits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, hey, listen, so man. We nailed we it. Just... We figured it out. <laughs> nailed it. Uh, you know, this is one of them where I think that maybe like a year and a half from now, we're going to go, huh, we need to talk about that again. Oh, not even. I if we if you said we were doing this again next week, I would say okay. I I really do mean that the grinding gears thing. I felt I felt that way in my conversation with Aaron. I felt like that listening back to it. I felt like it today, where it's just like uh, smashing smashing things together, and then eventually you go like, oh, is that slightly better than it was before? Yeah. No. Yes. No. You know what helped it, me today? I will. I will say this. It, it was. You. You uh, are are helping me see it in the context of something that is very central to our philosophy in our house and how we're raising kids, which is uh, understanding privilege in the context of. Uh, I, I want my son to see himself as a as a. Uh, a member of a larger group, and and, yeah. and and then I can say, well, like obviously you need to understand, like what are you coming to that group with that other people don't have, or what are they coming in with that you don't have, and how are you going to participate in the best way possible? Well, you need to you need to understand other people's situation. Oh, it's it, it's just perspective. What did Aaron say about perspective? Yeah. So much can be gained from establishing a position of perspective. I found that with so many things, you know, whether it's tackling a new issue at work or, you know, trying to befriend somebody who's difficult or grappling with a difficult topic. It's like if if I can work to get the right perspective, usually the other pieces start to fall in line behind it. We're all suffering from some condition of being human, man. <laughs> it's terrible. Did we make progress? Did we move forward? Maybe. I think so. Maybe some hey, gear grinding. I, we definitely made some gear grinding happen. What are we talking about next time? Hey, let's let's do this. Why don't you? I sent you the file with Nate's interview, right? Let's do this. Let's do this interview with Nate. Let's check it out. 
And yeah, we'll email we'll email back and notes. forth and we'll find some some kind of something. This is one of those where it's a dude that I think is doing a good job of raising a couple of boys and doesn't think he has things all figured out, but this is what works for him. That makes sense? That makes sense. Right on. Hey, dude, thanks for talking about it. It was a privilege to speak with you today. Oh, <laughs> don't do that. Don't start making dad jokes. Oh, I this, am a dad joke. Uh, <sighs> no, man. You're not a all dad right. joke. Um, hey, I appreciated it, though. This was, me this too. Was good so me. good. All right. I'll right talk on. to you we'll next talk, week. Talk to you next Friday, brother. All right. Bye. Later. Do you want to do my podcast? Rub some dirt on it. Just rub some dirt on it. I love this podcast. Rub some dirt on it. My new super awesome podcast. I don't know what Brainiac came up with the whole dirt thing anyway. 